Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to be at Lindsley Avenue Church of Christ this morning. I have been excited when I got the invitation to come a few months ago. I was like, yes, I can't wait to get back to Lindsley Avenue because this place and the folks here hold uh, so many great memories and fond relationships. And so it's good to be home home at Lindsley Avenue, and as Providence would have it, God is so good. Our daughter's first church service was at Lindsley Avenue, and now our newborn son, Arlo, his first time to church to worship God is at Lindsley Avenue Church of Christ, too. So this place and the folks here have meant so much to Stacy and I and River, and so we are just so delighted, so grateful that God in his infinite wisdom and kindness and love has let us come back today to be with you and to be home. Home, sweet home. Thinking about home today, what does it mean to be home? Home's important. Maybe different ideas in your mind when you think about home. My childhood home has long since been destroyed. I can't go back there. It's not home anymore. 216 Evergreen Street, Dresden, Tennessee. There's no house there. Can't go back there. What's home for you? What does home mean to you in your heart of hearts? Home can be challenging. In fact, when we were moving into our new home in Florence, Alabama, I was in Macburg, Tennessee, and I was trying to help the movers get everything on the truck to get to Florence, Alabama, and my wife was already there at the new house trying to get everything ready for the movers. She was pregnant. And then I was trying to help the movers and they didn't have Allen wrenches, and I didn't either, to break down the beds. And so I go and jump in the car and try to find Allen wrenches at the Dollar General store, no luck. I run to Walmart to get the Allen wrenches to break down the beds so we can get it in the truck to go to Florence, Alabama, to where Stacy and Riverbell are already there getting ready for the movers. As I'm driving to Walmart to get the Allen wrenches, Stacy calls me and I said, hello, darling. She says, our house is flooded. I said, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Please explain. How can our new beautiful house in Florence, Alabama be flooded today of all days? Please FaceTime me. She FaceTime me and sure enough, She's standing in about an inch of water in our living room. And there I'm still trying to find Allen wrenches in Walmart. What had happened was the hot water heater, the water line going to the hot water heater had busted. It had shooting water through the drywall, which was now pouring out of the drywall into the living room. So we had a new fountain in the living room which I can assure you was not an original feature to the house. <laughs> Thankfully, I called the realtor and he answered and he helped me now. 
poet Robert Frost once said of home, home is the place when you have to go there, they have to take you in. Maybe that's Lindsley Avenue for some of us. The great Billy Sunday said, home is the place we love best and grumble the most. Maybe you grumble a little bit at home. Maybe home's a place, a memory, a feeling, Probably most of all, we think of family, don't we? When we think of home. Then I think of homesickness. That empty feeling we get inside when we start missing people we love. And even today, as I was driving up, there were people I was missing. People I wanted to see in the pews of Lindsley Avenue that I knew those seats would be empty. Joe and Beth, Brother Art, Sister Marla, Brother Theo, many others. We begin to miss our family. I want to begin with the thought of a young man far away from home. He was far away from home he was homesick, he was hurting, he was estranged, he was lonely, he was deserted and even afflicted. I want you to think of this young man far from home. And he says this. being very lonely 
empty inside. In fact, I read an odd story not too long ago about a service offered in the cities around us. Did you know that there is a service of what is called platonic touch? That you can hire someone to come and hug you. And doesn't that testify to how lonely we are that we are willing to hire strangers to come into our homes and hold us? In fact, one person started... service of platonic touch and within two weeks had 10,000 emails wanting simply to be held because they were so lonely. Luke 15 is the story of a lonely son and a strange son. And in the teachings of Jesus, there's the prodigal son, there's the good Samaritan, there's the parable of the sower. And those stories are so well known. And probably the prodigal son is the greatest of all of those. The most well known, the most iconic. In fact, Charles Dickens said of it, he said it was the greatest short story ever written. Was the story of the prodigal son. It's interesting what prompts the story in Luke chapter 15. If you look at the beginning of the chapter, what prompts the story? We find that Jesus is attracting sinners. It says that the sinners drew near to hear Jesus. And because of that, the Pharisees and the scribes says, this man receives sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees and the, and the scribes were setting up to undercut the work of Jesus. They were doing it to accuse him of something. Why are you following this guy? He's hanging out with sinners. So right from the very beginning of the story, guess who we find? We find ourselves. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Don't you? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us need Jesus. And the people that needed Him most were drawn nigh unto Him. And the Pharisees, look, thank God received sinners. Why are you following Him? We also see that Jesus is so different from everybody else at the time because guess who Jesus wants to be with? Not only sinners, but the poor, the sick, the lame, the leper, the women, the children, tax collectors, farmers, fishermen, the simple people. Whereas religious leaders and teachers, they wanted to be with the rich, the well, the finely dressed, the powerful, the educated. And Jesus begins his stories first with the story of the lost sheep. He said, why do you marvel that I'm with sinners? Won't a shepherd lead the 99 and go search out the one? And when he's found him, he lays him upon his shoulders and he goes home and he rejoices with his neighbors. And then he also tells the story of the lost coin where the woman 
loses a coin and then sweeps her house and finds the lost coin and she rejoices and calls to her neighbors, I found it. And in those two stories we see, number one, the power of one. The value of one. The shepherd leaves the many and seeks out the one. The one is vital. The one is important. The one is valuable. We also find that the shepherd seeks and the woman seeks. And there's great joy over the repentance. And what we find in those stories is that the consideration of value increases. First we start out with just some livestock. Sheep. I always want to say sheep differently. I don't know why. When it's singular. But singular and plural are the same. And it gets to a coin. Value increases. And then some say it was even a garland of marriage. So it's not only a value, but it's a sentiment. We see the value going up. And then finally we get to the next story. A song. Jesus begins the story in verse 12 and says, verse 11, a man had two sons. We're not talking about sheep anymore. We're not talking about coins and money anymore. We're talking about a person. We're talking about a soul. We're not talking about objects. We're talking about subjects. We're talking about something of infinite value. A man had two soul sons. What is it about us that we compete so much with each other? Does it happen in families? I have a twin brother. How many of your family have you ever heard the, the question asked, well, who do you love most, mom and dad? Who do you care about the most? Has anyone ever heard that question? A man had two sons. Was the rivalry between the two sons? It appears so. When you look back in Scripture, you find other stories of two sons. What happened with Cain and Abel? Man had two sons. By faith, Abel, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Cain rose up and slayed his brother. What about Isaac and Ishmael? What about Jacob and Esau, where Esau sells his birthright to his brother Jacob? What about Joseph and his brothers? They sell him into slavery. What started out as a blessing changes. The younger brother, verse 12, says this, give me. Give me that. Does that sound familiar? And the younger them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto him his living. The younger son was a taker. He was ready to take 
And he saw his daddy not as his father, not as someone he loved. He saw him as a means to an end. Daddy, give me what you owe me. Give me my inheritance. He's a taker. He's immature. He's entitled. He's self-centered. And how are we like him? Are we like him sometimes? Where's the gratitude? Where's the care? And of course, some have, and many have remarked what an insult this would be to ask for your inheritance before you die. To see your daddy as already dead and not even caring whether your dad is alive or not. The young man was entitled to one third of the estate. He was caught up in things, wasn't he? Luke 12, 15 says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. 1 Timothy 6, 10 says, The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This young man was caught up in things, in materialism. It was no matter about the, the relationship with his father. It was about what was in his father's pockets. Give me. He was already estranged from his father, wasn't he? Because he wasn't seeing his father as his father. He was seeing him as a means to an end. And then he goes to a far country. Verse 13. The estrangement increases. The separation increases. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance and righteous living. He wasted it. Didn't know the true value of it. But we see his luck changes in verse 14. He begins to be in want. Look. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and began to be in want. He took this inheritance, he went to a far country, and then he decimated it. He destroyed it. And it says he began to be in want. I think he was already in want, wasn't he? Famines in this time were viewed as judgments of God. In some sense, he is being judged because of his rebelliousness. My friends, there is temporal judgment. Sometimes when we make mistakes, when we make the wrong choices, we are temporally judged. There are consequences to mistakes that we make in life. Galatians 6, 7 says, God is not mocked, for what a man sows, that shall he also reap. There is also a spiritual judgment that happens in our lives. And also, brethren, there is an eternal judgment that we face. Where had his ambition gotten? Where had his appetite gotten him? This insatiable young man finds himself where? With swine. Verse 15 and 16, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk 
and that swine did eat, and no man gave it unto him. So what you call rock bottom. Gone was his inheritance. Gone was his friends. And now he found himself among pigs. Of course, a young Jewish boy, young Jewish man would see that as unclean. He was unclean, unwanted, undesirable, unworthy. He was down and out. Then we see something that happens with him. The focus was always about what was out there. Now it was about what was inside of him. It says in verse 17, he came to himself. He came to his senses. It's amazing what did that. What was it that woke him up? He finally recognized, get this, he finally recognizes the goodness of his Father. It's the goodness of the Father that wakes him up because he says, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants in my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? My father is better to his servants than what I'm living through right now. Where does sin take us? Where does selfishness take us? It takes us far away from the good God. And the good news is, is there is a father who forgives in my own life I had to come to my senses and it was the gravity and weight of all of the truth that brought me back to God he returns to the father verses 18 and 19 I will rise and go to my father and I will say unto him father I have sinned against heaven and before thee no longer worthy to be called thy son make me as one of your hired servants the son just wants to go back to be a servant because the servants have it greater than him. And of course, he takes that long journey home and when he finds himself approaching the house, his father sees him and has compassion on him and runs to him and kisses him. And his father has mercy on him, not only to want to feed him, but to restore him as a son. And isn't that the story of what God's grace is? That following God isn't just about surviving. Following God isn't about just not going to hell. Following God is experiencing the beautiful grace of God. And so his father kisses him, the sign of forgiveness, gives him a robe, the sign of honor, gives him a ring, the sign of authority, gives him sandal, the sign of freedom. Servants went barefoot in a feast of joyful welcome. But then we find the brother. Back to the brothers. He hears the party that's going on for the son. And what does the father do? He does the same that he does for the younger. He goes to that older son. 
He says, wasn't our son, wasn't my son dead and now alive? But the son, the older son makes the same mistake as the younger son. Because what does it become about to the older son? About that goat. Daddy, you didn't even as much give me a goat. So he's making the exact same mistake as the son by just seeing his dad as what? Something that would give him something. Where's my goat? Home is ultimately presence and relationship with the Father. C.S. Lewis said it like this. Human history is the long and terrible story of man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. And you know what? That can be said in my life. When we try to find something other than God to fulfill us and to make us whole and to satisfy us, we're running down the wrong road. Because ultimately there is nothing other than God that can satisfy us and make us happy. And home is ultimately a relationship with God. Reconciliation is so sweet. Recently in our own life, we had some time separated from our son. 20 days our son spent in the NICU and every day we had to ride to Huntsville and stay in Huntsville, be on someone else's schedule to see him. There was one period of time where I hadn't seen him in about five days and I go to him, it was Friday night, it was the weekend, I was gonna stay over Labor Day and I go and I pick up my son that I hadn't seen in five days. Something special happens. That little boy recognizes me. Being just an early little baby, he just tries to look at me. And I bust into tears holding my child that I haven't held in five days and I say, reconciliation is so beautiful, isn't it? To be with the ones we love is so wonderful, isn't it? To be united with a loving God is so wonderful. And the beautiful truth of today is God is waiting. God is not only waiting, He's seeking those who are lost. God is waiting on you if you've never named Him. If you've never obeyed the Blessed gospel of Jesus Christ, He's waiting for you. If you've left the Father's house, He's waiting on you. And if you come today and get right with God, He will run to you, kiss you, embrace you, restore you, and you won't be a servant. You'll be His child. 
Bible says very succinctly and simply that if we want to come to him, we must come to him in faith, believing that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that we must repent of those sins that destroy us, destroy our family, destroy this world. We confess him to be the son of the living God and be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. reason why Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Is so you can always come home. He hung on that tree so you could come home. Why would you wait? Why would you wait? If you haven't named it, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. If there is any need in this room, this church will aid and assist you in every way. If you have any need, won't you come now so together we stand and as we sing.